This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. You don't have to be Lady Gaga level of you know stardom to have crazy fans who will love what you do. I see too many companies who just think that my loyal customers will just be there for me, but they don't really do much to connect with them, to show them that we're in to make you successful as a customer. And we have to keep working on this, just like relationships in real life, we have to keep working on relationships with our customers. So we really need to put a lot of effort behind connecting with those folks as much as we can. My name's Jeff Woods. I'm the vice president here at The One Thing Team. Today, we're going to share a story with you about building customer loyalty and a strong, raving fan base. And of course, Lady Gaga. We're really excited to have this conversation with you. And before we dive in, we want to give you a little sneak peek behind the scenes here in the training company behind The One Thing and share why we were inspired to create this episode. We're always trying to figure out how we can create amazing content that helps you achieve extraordinary results. As we scale our business, we're always asking the question, what's the one thing we can do such that by doing it would make helping you achieve extraordinary results easier or unnecessary? To answer that question, we have to take a step back. We had to look at our business and really get clear on what it looks like up until this point and ask the question, what changes do we need to be making moving forward? One of the things was studying how we engage with you. Part of the reason that Kaylin joined the One Thing team as our community manager was specifically because we were missing a person who every single day woke up and asked, how can I engage with you? Get to know you better and make sure that everything that we do, that those dominoes are lined up to serve you at a higher level. Once we brought Kaylin on board and she knocked it out of the park, I was in Jay's office and I remember he, he looked at me and said, you know what? You really need to read this book. And he walked over to his bookshelf, grabbed this book and handed it to me and said, you should really read this. I enjoyed it and I think, and I think it's perfect for what you guys are trying to accomplish together. The book he handed me was called Monster Loyalty, How Lady Gaga Turns Followers into Fanatics by the woman you're going to meet here today, Jackie Huba. So Jay, Jackie, and myself sat down one evening had a great conversation, and I just knew that we had to share Jackie with all of you. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. I've been studying customer loyalty for, gosh, over 15 years. 
And so I'm always looking for uh, amazing examples of any brand or company who is creating these evangelists. But I just became a fan of the music uh, from Gaga. And then I realized that she's this crazy performance artist. But it's when I started looking at how she was interacting with her fans and, uh, and, her, and the fan sites and at the concerts. And she was doing some things that no one else was doing. And I really just became obsessed with studying this. And over the course of four to five years, I was so amazed at these strategies that she was using. And then I saw companies were also doing similar strategies without wearing a meat dress. So I thought, you know what? I have an entire book of material here of, to help companies understand how to create loyalists like she is. And she's such a fun, fun person to talk about because there's so many stories that most people have never heard of that are in the book. And that's why I decided to write it. It's just a fun way to think about loyalty. And she's just doing these amazing things that I think people should know. And those amazing things have resulted in an amazing following. 76 million people on Twitter, 56 million people on Facebook, and throngs of passionate fans across the globe. She calls them little monsters. They call her mother monster. And it's really more than music that people are attracted to when it comes to Gaga. Today, we're going to show you how she was able to build this passionate fan base and what lessons you can take and apply in your businesses. Before we can learn how Lady Gaga attracted her army of little monsters, we have to take a step back and define exactly what loyalty is. I'm really looking at what is loyalty when you look at customer behaviors. No longer can we say that someone just saying they're satisfied is a form of loyalty because they could switch at any time. Now, retention, if someone is buying from you over and over again, that kind of tells you a little bit about loyalty. But, you know, as with an airline, they've got so-called loyalty programs that are really points programs and you're sort of locked in. So is it really a loyalty program or is it just, you know, you're buying, but it doesn't say a whole lot about really loyalty. These, the top three levels here of customer behaviors to me say a lot more about are your customers loyalty? One, do they refer you? Do they really put their reputation on the line to tell someone else about what you're doing? The next level, uh, higher level is evangelism. Now these, this isn't just a referral. This is when your customers absolutely love what you're doing. They feel compelled to tell everyone they know about you. And then my first book was called Creating Customer Evangelists. And this is kind of a term that we coined on really getting to that raving fan level. And then the highest form of loyalty is called ownership. And that's where we see customers who literally will help the company. We've seen local bookstores go out of business and customers just jump in and help that company survive, that business survive. And so it's these heroic feats that we see some customers go to to help that business succeed. And that is a very hard level to get to. Um, but that is the holy grail to me when we look at loyalty. We kind of need to realize like, how do we move our customers up this ladder? So we're looking at a ladder of five rungs. Satisfaction, retention, referrals, evangelism, and ownership. Take a moment and consider where your business and your customers are on this ladder. Do you have your own army of little monsters? Are you just retaining a group of customers? Or are you still waiting to take your first step onto the ladder? We asked Jackie, what's that first strategy that Lady Gaga did when it came to her value ladder? This first strategy that Lady Gaga does is really to focus on what I call the one 
percenters. And that really is the 1% of your audience, which is those folks who absolutely love what you're doing. So let's just think about that. We think about like the universe of our customers, right? We have new customers, existing customers, and advocates. In my one of my books called Citizen Marketers, my co-author and I looked at an entire customer base trying to isolate those key advocates and what percentage of the fan base or the customer base really uh, is these advocates. We studied Microsoft and Intuit and a bunch of tech companies. And what we found, which we extrapolated to others, is that over and over again, it was about only 1%. These are the, the most engaged customers, the evangelistic ones. They're super even influential, even though they are a very small group. And these are the folks that we really need to embrace and create programs around. This is one thing you should know about one percenters. They can be a little crazy, a little nuts. And for some, when we look at them, we might think their, their behavior is irrational. But this is really the emotional side of connecting with customers. They might do things that seem irrational, but you know what? Love and emotions are irrational sometimes. And so I, I really try to caution folks I speak with and companies I work with that these are your best customers, even though they're kind of crazy. Now, you don't have to be Lady Gaga to have crazy fans like this. This is something that really hit home for us. I remember when I first started this business behind the one thing with Gary and Jay, you had so many people who had already read the book. We weren't quite at a million books sold yet. It was around like 750,000 at the time. And I just remember seeing all these people. It seemed like everywhere you went, people had heard about the one thing and heard such amazing things. There were already raving fans. And as we started, when we launched our first course, Time Blocking Mastery, when we launched this podcast, it finally created a community so that people like you could come together. And when we launched Living Your One Thing, it was finally a close platform where we could really work with you. And I remember very specifically thinking, how are we going to engage with all these people? How in the world will we be able to interact directly with thousands and thousands of people? Yet hearing what Jackie has to say is so refreshing. I remember being in Jay's office and we were asking the question, how do we engage with people at scale? And one of the things that we discovered was we didn't necessarily need to engage with every single person directly, that there was going to be a percentage of the total that would be the hyper-engaged, the one percenters. And it's why we launched our events, the goal-setting retreat and the reset retreat, which the goal setting retreat is coming up. If you guys are interested in that, go to the one thing.com slash event and learn more. Because we realized we needed to create a space where a more intimate group of people could come together, surround themselves with other high achievers, to get in the room with Jay and myself, to be able to shake your hand, to get to know your name. That was part of our strategy for building a deeper relationship with the one percenters. And we can already see the domino effect taking place. Our question for you is, what are you a one percenter of? When you think about the brands that you absolutely love, what are the ones that just have captured your heart? And who are the people out there who would name your business, your product or service? And they would proudly say that they're one of your one percenters. We asked Jackie what she was a one percenter of. I just want to share with you what I'm a one percenter for. Just so you know, I'm also a crazy person. And that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
And I was born in Pittsburgh. I, we just, everyone who's from Pittsburgh, a lot of us are just born this way. I run the Pittsburgh Steeler fan club here in Austin, Texas, where over two to 300 people come out for every game and we watch it all together. And again, one percenters, we're kind of crazy. We're volunteer our time to do weird things like this for brands that we love. And that's the kind of behavior we need to think about, which is how do we engender that? When we come back, Jackie will walk you through how you can go about identifying who your one percenters are. My name's Jeff Woods. You're listening to The One Thing Podcast. Welcome back. Earlier in the episode, Jackie talked about how Lady Gaga went about building a massive base of raving fans by focusing on her one percenters. Not all the people, the one percent that were the most engaged. Do you know who your one percenters are? About two years ago, Forrester asked the top chief marketing officers in the country, what are your top objectives? 53% of the CMOs were saying that their top objective was acquiring new customers. And only 10% were focused on retaining the existing customers or focusing on customer loyalty. That's a pretty big disparity. And something that was even more shocking was some research that came out of Engage Sciences in 2014. They looked and analyzed over 400 brands, retailers, media and entertainment companies, financial service companies. And what they discovered was that 100% of the referrals of a business, 100% came from just 4.7% of your customer base. 100% of the referrals came from just 4.7% of the customer base. We want you to let that one sink in. We've talked in the past about the number one lie of productivity, the lie that everything matters equally, because it doesn't. We hope you ask yourself, are we focusing on what matters most when it comes to our business growth? Research backs it up. For most of us, who are focused on growing our business, we're not focusing on customer loyalty. We're just focusing on acquiring new customers. And so we would ask you, are you focusing on the right lead domino? We'll share with you for the first two years of developing the training business behind the one thing, we were making that mistake. We were focusing on getting new customers. And once you were a customer, We still wanted to treat you like gold, yet if we're being honest, we didn't make it the one thing. What's interesting about this is that in my first 90 days starting this company, we launched Time Blocking Mastery. It's our master course that helps you time block and form power habits that stick, which if you're interested in learning more about that, you can go to theonething.com, that's with the number one in the URL, and click on the training page. After we launched the product, it was a huge success in my mind at least. We had so many people signed up. So many people were getting amazing results and were sending us emails saying the impact that it made in their lives. And I remember sitting down with Gary and Jay, sharing all this information. And Gary looked at me and said, I think the product's broken. (laughs) I just looked, I'm like, Gary, what are you talking about? Look at all the people that signed up. Look at the testimonials. Look at the results. And he said something that was truly profound. He said, you know you've created a world-class business or a world-class product when every person 
who tries it, loves it, and they share it. Out of all the people who signed up, how many of them came because of a referral? The answer was zero. He shared this with me my first 90 days in, and yet I still didn't get it. We needed to fail our way forward for the next two years, focusing on growing our customer base before we woke up this year and realized, no, 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 no. The one thing is not more customers. The one thing is actually keeping you as a customer. We've completely redone our organization chart based on it. Our priorities internally, everything has been reshifted as a result of that one thing. So how do you go about identifying who your one percenters are so you can focus on them and let them be the lead domino that leads to extraordinary growth in your business? And if you're not sure how to find them, here's one very specific tactic if you don't know if you have these one percenters. And that is a methodology called Net Promoter. This was the methodology that came out of Bain and Fred Reichheld, looking at surveying your customers with two questions. And it gets to loyalty. And the question, the first question is, how likely are you to recommend to a colleague or friend? So you would send this out to your customer base. And what you will find is that when people answer nine and 10, those are going to be your promoters, your evangelists, your one percenters. Zero to six respondents are your detractors, and the passives are your sevens and eights. And this score is very harsh. So it takes the percentage of promoters, nines and tens, minus the zero to six, which are your detractors, and you get an MPS score. The average score is 22. Someone like Southwest has like a 68. And so this will take your audience respondents and try to segment them into who your promoters are. And then you want to ask them that second question, like, why did you give us this score? And that'll tell you ways you need to improve, or, you know, it'll tell you what they, someone is a promoter, they'll they'll tell you why a promoter. And I love it because it's super simple. It's really just two questions and that's all you need. So you just benchmark it at the beginning of your use. And then every so often you want to ask your customers the same question again, see if you can get the score up based on the feedback you're getting. I absolutely love it. If you're a smaller company, you might know by name who your one percenters are. Or maybe when you look on social, you see the same people posting content or responding to your posts. Those are your one percenters. If you're doing any kind of social listening, you you might see some of that. But I think the key thing is here is try to find out who they are because these are the folks we want to really nurture and build a program around. So the next strategy when I look at how Lady Gog is building this fan base is really about leading with values. And for those of us in the business world, the reason that this really makes sense is because when we look at how people buy, you know, people are really buying from sort of a a logical way of evaluating us. And so if we're selling products, they're looking at price, they're looking at functionality, they're looking at our experience, they're looking at all these sort of analytical things. But there's also the emotional side for why people buy. And that's what this particular tenant is really about. Because if we can connect with our customers on our values and what we believe in, those customers are much more loyal and much more connected to us. For Lady Gaga, you know, she's always been very, very attuned to who our audience is. And from the very beginning, when she couldn't even get played, she couldn't even get a gig anywhere. She's from New York City. You know, her first gig was a gay bar and then a second gay bar and then the San Francisco Pride Parade. And that was the only groups who would book her in the very beginning. And she developed this audience in the LGBT community. And so she knew that when she 
if she could ever get a big platform, she would try to use that platform to advocate on behalf of LGBT folks. And so she has spoken at equality marches, don't ask, don't tell. She's advocated for that and just has really been a huge advocate there. And, you know, in her connecting with her young fans, she also started to understand how bullying has become a huge problem uh, for kids of all stripes, but um, also in the LGBT community. And so her next album after her first one was actually a message to fans. The entire album was a message to fans to say, you know what, we may be all different, but we were born that way and we should all accept everyone. One song that was on that album was called Born This Way. And we can't play the audio recording for you because it's copyrighted material, which you're you're welcome to go look that up on YouTube. But I'll read a quote from one of the songs. There's nothing wrong with loving who you are, she said, because he made you perfectly, babe. So hold your head up high, girl, and you'll go far. Listen to me when I say, I'm beautiful in my way because God makes no mistakes. I'm on the right track, baby. I was born this way. And so what she decided to do is that she wanted to change the culture. And I don't know how many of you guys know this, but she actually started a foundation in 2012. Its whole idea was an anti-bullying type of mission, but it was really um, helping people be more brave, uh, helping people accept everyone and really encourage uh, everyone to to love one another even um, and, and express their individuality. And she launched this um, with Oprah Winfrey at Harvard and Deepak Chopra was there. And she told all the students in the audience, you know, this is not just a charity. This is a movement where I would love for all of you to really go back to your schools and let's all help eradicate bullying and be more accepting of everyone. But, you know, values are not something that we just talk about. When your customers, you're trying to show your customers your values, you really need to take action. And so one of the things that she did, and I love this, is for the Born This Way tour in the U.S., outside every arena, there was a bus called the Born Brave bus that would show up. And kids who were under 25 could apply to come on the bus. Gaga would often be on the bus. And she would have counselors on the bus. So that if anyone needed to talk to anyone, they were right there. She wanted to demystify counseling for these kids to know that they could get help. And so, again, the whole thing here is not just saying what your values are and putting them on your website, but actually showcasing them. How does this work for your business? While the idea of leading with values to some may sound like some warm and fuzzy type of thing, it's much more than that. A few years back, the global marketing officer for P&G did some research looking at companies that led with values. They looked at hundreds and hundreds of companies, and they narrowed it down to 50. They looked at the financial performance of those 50 companies over time, and they were able to see when they charted the financial performance that the Stangle 50, the ones that led with the purpose and led with their values, outperformed the market by 400%. Leading with values is not just a feel-good strategy. Focusing on your core values is actually a strategy to achieve extraordinary results. And one of my favorite companies who lays with values and does this so well is Method. And I bet there's a lot of folks who know about Method and who use Method. But from the very beginning, um, Eric Ryan and Adam Lowry founded Method on this idea of creating a happy home revolution in this cleaning market. And they came out with these green cleaning products for the very first time that were good for the environment 
and good for you know pets and family and all of that. And they used great design, but there was really a purpose behind what they were doing. After Method came out, it was followed by a number of other green cleaning companies. Then Clorox and some of the other big companies started adding these so-called green cleaning products to their portfolios. The challenge was during the recession, consumers started to cut some of these products because they were more expensive. Clorox and the others, they were actually losing sales in this particular category of green cleaning. But Method and some of the other companies like Method, they didn't move backwards at all. It's because if you believe in the environment and you believe in the green cleaning movement, then you would be far more likely to cut something else from your budget before you cut those products because you believed in them. You were less price sensitive. This is a critical thing to understand and keep in mind when you're connecting with your customers on an emotional level. Once they're emotionally vested, they're far less price sensitive. This gives you an advantage. And so I think too many of us think we have to have the lowest price or we have to keep up in features. And, you know, we have to, we have to do what we need to do to have customers consider us, put us in the consideration set. But in terms of really standing out and really building that loyal fan base, we have to do things that connect on a different level. Take a second and ask, how do you show the values of your company? Sure, you might have them plastered up on your website, but we want you to ask the question, what would it look like if we were living our values, not just the best that we could do it, but to the best that it could be done? What would you be doing differently? What are the things that you are doing right now that deep down you know are not aligned with your values? Pulling the curtain back, which is part of the promise we made to you in this episode, one of the things that we behind the scenes are changing immediately is our email strategy. I'm sure there are some of you that uh, have been on our list and have received um, at least one email that you just realized, you know what? I didn't need that one. For a company that's in the business of saving you time, we should never be sending you something that does not do exactly that. Save you time. And it's why it's one of our top priorities for this current quarter to completely revamp that strategy, putting your needs ahead of ours. We want to make sure that if we earn the right to stay in relationship with you, it starts by living the principles that we teach. Where are you violating your values? And I think something that's really powerful, and I wish I remembered who shared this with me so we could pay proper attribution to them. But the quote is, Your values aren't really your values unless they cost you something. Where in your business are you currently violating your values because you are prioritizing financial gain over your integrity? And I know in business circles and marketing circles, the word community is used a lot. But the idea here is really building community among your one percenters. I already talked about how one percenters are kind of crazy and they have this irrational love for a brand or a company. And here's the thing. They love to connect with other one percenters who are also crazy. The icing on the cake here is that when you create a bond between the one percenters, it actually builds that bond even tighter with you. In order to connect deeply with your community, you need to be a part of that community. 
for us, one of the things we discovered very early on is it's one thing to be a thought leader and it's another to be a practice leader. An example of this shift is that when we interact with people in our Living Your One Thing community, so many times I'm pulling up my 411. I'm showing the members my personal priority list and sharing with them where I failed the week before. What we have learned interacting with you is that uh, you love the book, you love the podcast, the, the principles are so simple, yet living it is so challenging. And part of that is because, or I'll ask it as a question, when you first read the one thing or listened to this podcast, did you feel like, yeah, I should be able to do that? And then you tried and you failed. You just didn't do it perfectly. Our question is, where in the book or the podcast did we say that you had to be perfect living your one thing? I think part of really connecting deeply with your one percenters and being a part of that community means that you go on the road to mastery with them, which means every single day you are focused on improving your skill set that day, which also means you're failing. Because there really is no, quote, success. Success is just failing forward as fast as possible. We asked Jackie about an example of a brand that really built community. And she talked about one that she's very passionate about, Mini Cooper. If you go to Mini's website, you will actually see a list of fan clubs across the country. This is in the US and they have them in Canada as well. Of over a hundred fan clubs, they call them owner clubs, right? Of these mini owners, these mini one percenters. And you can just put in you know, the state and you'll find all the ones in your area. Because many wants people to connect together. They want to keep that enthusiasm high. And these are not run by many. They are run by one percenters. One percenters run these fan clubs. And that is similar to what this behavior that I've been sharing with you from before. Uh, one percenters really will do anything to keep that enthusiasm high. And what is so smart about many is that they know that the best salesperson for a mini is another mini owner. There's so much to talk about. There's all of these things around customization and just such commonalities that mini owners have together. And mini has actually won many poke awards for repeat customers because, well, they have a great product, but they also keep this community together. On top of that, there's Mini Takes America, a biannual event where many owners drive 2,000 miles across the country and meet up at various spots. On average, 900 minis will show up. People bring their kids and their pets and it's like a big picnic, like a big party. And everyone is just talking about minis and what they love about their minis and how did you customize your mini and which model do you have? Because there's all these different models and makes and different um, ways to make it so individual for you. And here's what's crazy. There's even the one percenters of the one percenters, 900 people who drove the entire thing two weeks. They took off from work to drive through the country with other mini owners. And I don't know what car you drive, but would you take two weeks off to spend with people who also own that same car? Because I don't know too many people who would do it. (laughs) And after I did all this research and I thought, what am I going to buy? You know what I bought? A mini. A mini. I bought the Mini Coupe in 2012. But guess what? I didn't just get this cute little car. I got 700 new friends in Austin. 
And I don't know how often that happens to you. You buy a new car, you get new friends. We talked about the idea of a one percenter. That 1% of your customer base who absolutely loves you, who loves to share your brand. The challenge is, regardless of how passionate those people may be, eventually you can only share the same information with your network so many times. So as a brand, you have to keep coming up with ideas and things that your one percenters can share. You have to teach them how to continually share. Once again, Lady Gaga is a master when it comes to giving her community, her one percenters, something to talk about. Once again, Lady Gaga is a master when it comes to giving her community something to talk about. There's a story that you may not know about her. While many people across the world, when you say Lady Gaga, they think of the meat dress or they think of the ridiculous costumes or outfits, which definitely was part of the strategy of giving her one percenter something to talk about. There was one thing she did that you may not know about. It was how Lady Gaga went about getting people to talk about her scent. Seems like everywhere you look when you see these pop stars, they all have their own perfume. Justin Bieber has girlfriend, which I thought it was going to be Bieber fever. I would have gotten that one. Uh, Who else has one? Beyonce had her perfume. Lady Gaga realized that, sure, she could go about creating her own scent. Yet, as Mother Monster, she wanted to go above and beyond and use this as an opportunity to not only express the core values of her brand, but also give her people something to talk about. But what I love about Gaga is she really creates stories behind the things that she does. And so she said to look, I, if I'm going to do a perfume, here's what I want to do. I want to do a perfume called Fame. And Gaga was a student of fame. She studied Andy Warhol. And she said, you know, fame is a very seductive thing. It's, but it can also be a dark thing, kind of scary. And I want this perfume to be black in the bottle and spray on clear. I want people to be almost afraid to put it on. And they told her it couldn't be done. They said, can you come up with something else? And she said, you know what? That's my idea. And if you don't want to do it, forget it. And then they realized, oh my goodness, this is Lady Gaga. And so they put their scientists on it. And six months later, they came out with a patent pending formula of this first ever black eau de parfum that is black in the bottle. It sprays on clear. And it had never been done before. And I, and I do keynotes and I actually bring this out and spray it on people. I'm sorry, I can't spray it on you today. But it, it it's actually smells great and it's unisex. And one of the things that she did to help market this Uh, Again, Lady Gaga does nothing small. She partnered with Stephen Klein and they got a million dollars of budget and they created an eight minute movie about the perfume. And the special effects of this movie will rival any horror or thriller or sci-fi movie you've ever seen. And you can go to YouTube and find that. And so this thing was launched into the world, the perfume, this crazy movie. And um, this perfume became the fastest selling perfume after Chanel number five, 6 million bottles in the first week, 30 million bottles in the first six months. And I love this quote from the chief marketing officer of Cody. She said, you know, Gaga was really behind the biggest innovation in the fragrance industry in the last 20 years. She gave people things to talk about. She gave her fans something to talk about. It was different. And that's why I think it was so successful. What we want to highlight here is that 
You have to push yourself creatively and go beyond what you normally do or what your competitors normally do. Are you giving your customers things to talk about? We need to. So they'll keep evangelizing us to their family and their friends. We can't treat them the same as every other customer because the one thing that drives growth is customer loyalty. And specifically, the loyalty and engagement of those one percenters. After listening to this episode, you've been armed with a foundation for growth. Now the question is, do you buy into the idea that the one thing may not actually be just getting new customers, it should be deepening the relationship and the engagement with your existing customers? Do you buy into that idea? Do you buy into the idea that 100% of your referrals are going to come from the minority of your customer base? The research would say just 4.7%. And do you care enough about this to go onto a journey of becoming a master of building customer loyalty? We all have an amazing opportunity every day when we walk into our businesses. We're there right with you. (laughs) This is our one thing behind the scenes. So we want you to consider that FM Alexander quote from the one thing. People do not decide their futures. They decide their habits. And their habits decide their futures. What's the one habit you can form such that by forming it would make building customer loyalty easier or unnecessary? We hope that you take time to pause and answer this question. What's the one habit I can form such that by forming it would make building customer loyalty easier or unnecessary? Whatever answer you get, ask it again. What's the one thing I can do for that such that by doing it would make it easier or unnecessary? And keep asking the question till you arrive at an action, a specific measurable activity that you can do. It's not make 300 phone calls a day. It's something you can do. Maybe it's connect with one, call one customer a day, one customer a week. Think big in terms of your vision and then go small by knocking that two-inch domino down every single day, which if done over roughly 66 days could become a habit that sticks and completely transforms your business. If you would like to track that habit, go to theonething.com. That's with the number one in the URL. Click on free stuff and download a copy of the 66-day challenge calendar. That way you have a single sheet of paper that will have all 66 days on it. And every single day you do your one thing, you earn a big red X on that 66-day challenge calendar. If you'd like to check out Jackie's book, Monster Loyalty, we would highly recommend it. And one of the things that I did personally is for every chapter I read, I wrote down 10 ways that we could implement the chapter, which armed us with a complete mind bank of ways that we could build customer loyalty. We want to thank you for listening to the One Thing Podcast. And if you find yourself saying, I'm a one percenter of the one thing, 
We hope that you will leave us a rating and review on your podcast player of choice for this specific episode. And I'm going to go as far as to say, email me, jeff at the one thing.com. That's jeff at the one thing with the number one in the URL. Because behind the scenes, we, I'm serious, this is our one thing. And so if you consider yourself a one percenter, please email us because we're at this point, Kaylin and myself are making calls. We're getting on the phone with people and we're trying to figure out what are the things that we are doing that have earned the right for you to be a one percenter of this brand. And we'd love the chance to get to interact with you. I don't know how many are going to come in. I can't promise we're going to call every single one of you. We do hope though, that you will email us. Thank you for listening to this. If there is one person that needs to hear this, who would they be? And will you help us spread the word of this podcast by texting this episode to them, emailing it to them, calling them and saying, you've got to listen to this episode of The One Thing Podcast because it'll help you. Would you please share that with one person today? Thank you so much for being a fan of The One Thing. We really appreciate you. And we look forward to being with you in the next episode.